0: okay so in 1st Timothy chapter 2 and I'll read verses 1 through 8 this afternoon 1st Timothy 2 1 through 8 I exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. For this I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men everywhere lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Loving Father, we do call upon you and pray for the blessing of your word because you are able to minister it to us in ways that we need it most. That you might instruct us, Lord, and that you might teach us what it means to call upon you and to wait upon you as you design to work in the hearts and lives of people I pray, Father, for your grace this day and for your long-sufferingness unto us as we need of your grace and mercies daily. And so I pray, Lord, that you would bless in the ministration of your word, that your Holy Spirit will teach it to us and instruct us in the way of godliness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here we are in... 1 Timothy chapter 2, and Paul continues his (coughs) counsel unto Timothy. Remember, Timothy was sent to the church at Ephesus, and there were some who were um, unruly in the sense that they were not teaching the word of God, strictly as they ought to have been in all orthodoxy, but there were some who were teaching otherwise, And we find that Timothy is being used by the apostle to bring these words of encouragement and of stability to the church. Now generally this passage is looked at as a a kind of instruction to the church for the kinds of things that we have to be doing as it relates to ministry in the church and so to minister one to another to minister according to the intent of the gospel which the intent of the gospel is to bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ I read some years ago in one of the evangelistic books uh, that uh, stated that We did not give the gospel, actually, until we gave it with intent. And the point of the writer was to say this, that to give the gospel with intent is to give it with purpose. And so I think that that is true when it comes to evangelism is that we must be willing to give the gospel by intent or with purpose. That we are really in making an effort to win others to Christ. And so uh, many times as we encounter people, we sometimes try to witness to them, but we often don't have opportunity enough to do a thorough presentation of the gospel and so we sometimes only just plant a few seeds here and there but at other times you may have an opportunity to give the gospel with clear purpose of instructing somebody in how to come to faith in Christ but here we find Timothy is being instructed by Paul in some, you might say they're general areas, but they're areas that we must be aware of uh, for the church to really have some effective understanding of how it is to carry on its businesses, as we say. And so the first one here is the that The prayer life of God's people in the church makes for a peace-filled life. Now, these first two verses, he says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. So, here in the very first verse, he he employs uh, Timothy to instruct the people at Ephesus. To pray and these several areas that I mentioned here such as supplications and then general the word word prayers is just a general word meaning to pray in any manner of of form intercessions we understand to be to intercede for others and of course the giving of thanks and so we find that these um, several areas here um, you might say four areas uh, are areas that cover the various areas of our prayer time in the church, but it doesn't mean there shouldn't be also in our individual prayer time when we pray for people. Um, of course, supplications, when we do supplicate unto God, we might think them as personal areas of need where we would pray for needs in the church Uh, you may be praying for the pastor you might be praying uh, for your own self uh, making certain requests unto God supplicating the Lord to bring things to pass according to his will and so we often find that uh, whether it be in prayer meetings or just in cooperate prayer supplications are made unto God The pastor might pray for himself that he would be able to bring forth the scriptures in some meaningful way or that the Holy Spirit might be using him in some particular fashion to bring conviction upon the hearts of people. And then of course just general prayers uh, cover a broad category of praying and it is necessary to Pray on a general, general means, a general regard of things, Um, and we do that within the church and within our prayer meetings. And of course, as I said, as one intercedes on behalf of others, whether it be for missionaries, or whether it be for somebody who is ill, or someone who is struggling in a certain area of need. and uh, needs of uh, prayer support. Uh, these intercessions, of course, are uh, more pinpointed perhaps to certain areas of need and individuals as well. And, of course, when we think about praying and giving thanks, it is always to give thanks unto God, for this is the will of God, that we give thanks unto him for the kinds of things that he does for us the blessings of individuals the blessings of our congregation the blessing of our of our ministry together of our fellowship of various helps and gifts and services which God is so willing to provide for us as well as the grace of God which is bestowed upon us and the mercy of God which is Given unto us freely, and so there are many and broad areas of giving thanks as well, but these are good areas these are um, these are areas of prayer that you know can be enlarged upon according to each one of us and how we are willing to approach the throne of grace and it is always good to pray uh, in regards to these various uh, four areas that he mentions here. Supplications, prayers generally, intercessions for others, and uh, to give thanks unto God as he would bless us and uh, would continue to encourage us in, in our walk with him. And they be made for all men. Be made for all men. That these supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanks be made for all men. Now I think that is very good, isn't it? That we should not forget to to pray for others. Sometimes we only think of praying for the people we know, or, if we, or the or just the ones within our smaller groups, or or something of this nature. Um, but we should pray for others in a broad context too because there are people who can just come to our mind while we, are, while we are desire to pray and you might think well why did that person happen to come to my mind and this may be the very reason that the Holy Spirit wants you to pray for that person and it's always good to do that right to pray uh, and so To pray for all men, all men. So You know, we we might even neglect some people because we think, oh, well, they don't need our prayers. Or somehow they're too holy and they're all set. Or, you know, that um, for whatever reason we happen to have it in the back of our mind, we just kind of skip over them. But it is good to pray, to pray for all men. Uh, And the idea of men, of course, is the generic of sense. It's mankind. Um, And then it says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Well, this is a very uh, unique time in the first century. Um, Nero was in charge at the time under this particular writing here and Nero was no friend of Christians and yet the apostle had the compassion and the sense of, of a true spiritual life in Christ to know that it's good to pray for all men to all people and kings and for those in authority um, whether we like them or not in the sense of their leadership um, to pray for them and we may even think well What can good can it possibly do? Because they seem to be bent on their evil endeavors. They don't seem to be relenting at all. But it may be that God has intended to soften our own hearts toward people, to give us a compassionate desire for prayer and for God to change them. I mean, if God's own people don't have a compassion for others, if they think that they are too mean to pray for, or that somehow too evil, or or perhaps we are hiding in our own hearts some malintent ourselves and would like to have God just send them immediately to hell or otherwise, uh, I mean, what good is that for the believer? It, It is not really a very compassionate attitude to have, is it? Um, to To people, so you know there 's a good many reasons why God desires us to pray for those who are over us because it not only conditions us to be in the right frame of mind and heart before God, but God may truly intend to move the hearts of other people, and if not the heart of the king, maybe it 's the servant of the king and uh, Perhaps the servant of the king can be used. And we can't help but thinking of Daniel, can we? I mean, he was uh, taken from one particular quarter of the world and placed in another in Babylon. And that he won the favor of the king. Now, under Nebuchadnezzar, of course, um, this proved to be a, quite a big profit to uh, Daniel. Daniel was elevated and uh, we find that this this young man who was uh, willing to be used of God, if you will, to pray for kings and for all that are in authority, be, to be willing to be used of God, was used of God a lot. And uh, you, see, you see, my intent here is to get you to understand that even... Uh, some of us who may consider ourselves um, quite obscure in our effectiveness toward others, God might have some reason to use us if we will place our hearts in the right place, that we might be used of God. And so Daniel was, and he is a perfect example here. And not only so, but Paul himself, of course, where did he find himself? He found himself in Caesar's court, so to speak. Uh, he found him in caesar 's house uh, among his uh, among his servants and was able to minister to uh, to those very people and uh, to what extent that they were able to um, be a witness unto the court of Caesar and and Paul i mean being being a witness unto them uh, i 'm sure everything is not written here that that these people actually did. Only those things the Holy Spirit decided that should be included within the text that we might be much encouraged in our walk with the Lord, you see. So um, yes, it is good for us to pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. And I think the idea of the quiet and peaceable life is to calm our own hearts before God that whatever transpires in the course of events in our walk with Him, that our own hearts might be quiet and peaceable. We have to wonder how many Christians, how many believers have willingly uh, gone to their own death quiet and peaceably, realizing that the only thing they could say for themselves is that they were true to God and faithful to the Lord, and we have to think of the faithful martyrs. Uh, If you've ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and the like, you'll find many there who who walked headlong into the lion's den, so to speak, and were devoured of them. Uh, Whether they be kings or or other authorities who who wanted to wreak havoc against uh, uh, others who were consider themselves believers, um, is there such a time coming? Do people today, do Christians today live in countries where that is going on? We have to say yes, it, it is. It is going on. Uh, we, we perhaps are not experiencing it uh, in any manner to which uh, some are and, uh, and will, but it could happen here too, even in our own country, it could happen where Christians will be put to the test and and have to go to their own ruin, so to speak, quiet and peaceably for the testimony of Christ. And so, to pray for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And so, the last two areas, of course, go to really our true sense of our of our faith toward Christ. Godliness, living a godly life, and living in all true sincerity, or honesty before God um, for the sake of the gospel. And so the church, the church, when it prays, it prays inwardly for its own group of people, but it also prays outwardly for the people outside as we find that especially verse 2 indicates that uh, our prayers are to to be directed elsewhere as well. Um, And, of course, those four areas of prayer which reach all around us. Uh, Secondly, our prayers should be that God's will may be done to save all men unto salvation. Now, he says here... um, in verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now, uh, orthodoxy teaches us that we do not believe there is universal salvation. Everybody is not going to be saved simply because we pray. But all men means generally all mankind, and so none are to be excluded in our prayers. So uh, this brings us to the, the kind of the sense of the, of the title uh, that I've given here, uh, Prayer and Support for the Gospel, but I have another thought for you. We pray personally, and God saves individually. We pray personally and God saves individually. Now what I mean by that is this, that in our prayer life we pray for all men without exclusion. We don't exclude anybody in our prayers. And so we're inclusive in our prayers in that sense. We pray universally, just as God has given the gospel of Christ universally to everybody. Um, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He didn't, he didn't say, pray only for those that you think are going to believe or you know are going to believe. No, he said, pray and if any will believe, God will save them. And so uh, prayers are, are personal and individual, but God saves individually. God doesn't save universally. Uh, which is, you know, in keeping with our sense—the sense that God uh, doesn't uh, doesn't uh, save somebody who hasn't turned turned to Him in faith. That has uh, truly, uh, the person must truly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if they're going to know Him as their personal Savior. And so He says. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. God doesn't desire that anyone perishes. It isn't God's desire. You know, any church that thinks that they have a corner on who's going to get saved and who isn't, I think, is just out there in left field somewhere. They're just not with it. Um, no, God wants us to pray for all people. Now, the all people that you come up with are going to be your family and your friends, no doubt, and people that you have come in contact with, whether it be at work or whether it be in recreation or, or in some kind of casual meeting. Uh, you're going to pray for people that you generally know. But then you, you may pray for individual, individuals or groups of people that you are burdened with. Um, You might pray for people in India, for instance, or you might pray for people in China, or you might pray for people in Ukraine, or, you know, there's groups of people you might pray for. Um, And that is good. But I think it's important for us to realize that without a true sense of of praying universally for people, we would lose our missionary appeal, the the true missionary endeavor because if we're not burdened for people uh, Hudson Taylor was burdened to go to China and went on uh, went the China inland missions and, uh, and was there, uh, he even grew a pigtail and tried to to um, dress as the Chinese people and did everything he could to try to reach them because he was burdened for the Chinese people and William Carey to India and. Uh, you can name a number of people to different places that you perhaps know. Um, and people do that. They, they do go to those individual countries and places and peoples because they're burdened for those people and they are called there as, as a, a missionary to go. And uh, so our missionary, our missionary heart must begin with praying for all men, for all peoples. Uh, without exception, for this is for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. In fact, this is the very reason why we do home visitations, or evangelism, or that we take up some kind of ministry, such as tract ministries, or or newsletters, sending out newsletters to people, or uh various kinds of outreach that we are involved in. Uh, we, we should do it for a reason. I never thought that a church should be involved in socialistic programs for the mere socialistic uh, element of it. I mean, if you have a, have a food pantry, shouldn't it be to, yes, to help people, but at the same time you want to be a witness to them. You, you want to give them the gospel in some way. You want to be a witness for Christ. If you, if you have a, uh, um, a clothing barn, uh, isn't it nice to have the thrust of, of trying to win families to the Lord and befriend them and, and to bring them unto this, the hope of salvation through Christ? Now, in other words, what ministry the church does ought to be for more than simply socialistic endeavor. It ought to be to present the gospel. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, it is said, that he had many, 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 many ministries outside of the church that his church was doing. But they were all functioning within the realm of the thrust of the church to win people to Christ. Now, just how he went about it, I don't know. I wasn't there. (laughs) But knowing, uh, knowing Spurgeon at that particular time and the number of people that he had um, as his congregation that he was preaching to up to 20,000 people sometimes he would be preaching to uh, certainly he, he had a true evangelistic and missionary heart um, and I personally um, am often disappointed that I don't do more myself um, but of course we're only one person and, uh, and so it's important I think for everybody for everybody to take on their little part, you know, in that area of trying to reach people, of trying to win people to Christ, and and the Lord can can get you involved in some area um, if you won't let Him, you know, just to. Let him use you in some particular way. Whether it is to hand out tracts to somebody or leave tracts at the laundromat or or at the bank or or at the post office or wherever you can. Whatever you can do is a a small step that you can make toward reaching people and seeking to win them to Christ. And so um, I think that we should... Should really concentrate on what he's trying to tell us here—that uh, God, he's, that God truly does have a heart for the for the unsaved, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God desires this. He wants people to come to faith in Christ, to come to the knowledge of the truth, and and uh, he he really is is using us. Just as he was using the apostles in the first century, he's using us to accomplish that very thing. And he wants, that, he wants the church to know that. Paul wanted Timothy to know it. Paul was involved in it, and of course it was uh, at a great expense on his part that he was involved in it, uh, giving his life for Christ. And so Timothy at Ephesus and uh, the other people who were involved as his co-laborers, whether it be Aquila and Priscilla or, or Titus or or Philemon, or Onesimus, remember Onesimus? Uh, whether it be any of these people, Apollos, um, you know, in, in Corinth and so forth, uh, all of these people um, were there for that same purpose. What Paul says in one particular place did not exclude any other Christian in any other place. And this same thrust of orthodoxy is supposed to be true wherever we are as being believers. If he was in a church in Texas, it would be the same. If he was in a church in in Massachusetts, it would be the same. If he was in a church in Orlando, Florida, it should be the same. Or in Ephraim, New Hampshire, it should be the same, Um, that we would be involved in the same kind of of thing, of praying for people, of trying to reach people, uh, endeavoring to be a part of this this whole thing of uh, reaching out to others uh, because God desires all men to be saved. And then thirdly, what does he say? We have one mediator between God and men. Verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So immediately upon this issue, we would have to say this, it underscores... The all of Christ and of God's desire that all men should be saved there is only one mediator I mean we can't turn to Mary she won't do it you know unfortunately the orthodoxy of the Roman Catholic Church is not so great you know it's not so great the, the, it is a world religion it is a world Christian religion but it has some Heterodoxy in it A lot of it And uh, They may they may want people to Pray to Mary But Mary is not a mediator There is only one mediator Between God and man The man Christ Jesus Only one And uh, Jesus Jesus is not too busy To be that mediator That you have to go to somebody else <laughs> And You know I uh, And, of course, the the other religions of the world, you know, they go to their stone gods and wooden gods and materialistic gods, or whatever they might be, or their, their new age gods. But they are no mediator either between God and men. There is only one God the Father, and there is only one Jesus Christ his Son. And he is the one who has been given as the true mediator. Now what happened in the Old Testament? The person would bring their sacrifice to the priest and the priest was the mediator between God and man. And so they would bring their sacrifice. But Christ has taken the place of the sacrifice and now he has become the mediator and I think it's important for us to realize this one mediator uh, concept. Because it, just doesn't, it isn't only in relationship to you coming to God, it's in relationship to anybody coming to God. Anybody. And uh, when, when it relates to all men coming to, to faith in Christ, then that's the only person we can point them to. We can only point them to Jesus. Jesus. We can't point them to Mary. We can't say, oh, it's okay if you pray to Mary. That won't work. We can only we can tell them they can pray to, to God the Father, but Jesus Christ is the only mediator unto God the Father. And so you first of all, you have to know Jesus as your Savior, that your prayers will truly be heard, that you know that they are going to, to get to the right place. And so Jesus... Jesus is the mediator unto God the Father to bring a person to Christ or that a person might remain in fellowship in Christ or have their prayers answered at all and for the church the church must know that Jesus alone is the true mediator between God and men now we may say well these are so these are so basic principles pastor why should we put so much emphasis on it because it is necessary to put all the emphasis on these areas Because without them We're doing the wrong thing And we must constantly be aware Of, of, the, of the truth of the scriptures You see Of the truth of it And that's what he says uh, uh, here he, he wishes all men to come To the knowledge of the truth Well if a person doesn't know Jesus they, they know, they, They're in ignorance still but once you have told them the truth, once you have told them that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man, there's a little bit of truth that they now have. Now you might say, well, they don't they don't seem to listen to me. Okay, well, the Holy Spirit is able to speak to them at some point and will. And, um, you know, it's just like uh, evolution as opposed to creationism. You can't convince either one uh, of those people, one way or the other, evolution of course, is sh- simply a humanistic belief system and uh, when it comes to uh, creation, well, nobody was there it's tr- nobody was there at the point of creation you can 't say you can 't other than the Word of God you can 't prove that you can 't prove creation other than the Word of God you can 't prove it, but a person can come to faith. In Christ, in God, knowing that He is the Creator, because God is able to work in their heart. But see the humanists, all they have is their philosophy and their the- their theories, their theories to go on. And so when it comes to the Word of God, what do we do? We have to, we have to let people know this is what the Bible says, this is what the Word of God says. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. If you want to come to God, if you want to know Him, you have to come through Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, come to faith in Him, you can have that mediator and know that God is hearing your prayers. And God will bring that person if the Spirit of God is at work in that individual. We can't do it. Only God can do it. So we have to believe what the Bible says first. And if we believe it, then we know we are giving them the truth, the knowledge of the truth that he talks about here. And so this is all foundation, foundational to to how uh, how we're going to give out the truth, the appropriateness of how we're going to give out the truth. So our prayer should be that God will or may, uh, wills may be done to save all men and to salvation all mankind universally without exclusion he can save people we have one media between God and men and then the fourth one Jesus has paid our ransom from the slave market of sin and that's what he goes on to, to say here who gave himself talking about Jesus this is verse 6 who gave himself a ransom for all men to be testified in due time Now, Jesus has has paid the ransom. Like at the Roman slave market, when the slave came, a price had to be paid for that slave, for for that slave to be released unto its new owner. And so the analogy being given here is that Christ paid the price for you and I. He paid our ransom price. What did He do? He died on the cross for our sins. And we might say, well, how come it had to be by that particular means? Well, it was not only prophetically indicated that Christ would die by this particular means, but we find that it was necessary for him to be killed or, or crucified or die in a certain manner that he might be known as the true savior of the world. And so prophetically, of course, it, it did bear out within the scripture, whether we read in the Old Testament in Psalm 22, or we read in John chapter 3, even as the serpent was lifted up on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if any man will look unto that serpent that was on the pole, just taken from that Old Testament account, if they look to Jesus, they would be saved. And and so this this whole idea of Jesus paying paying the price or the ransom for our for our sin, you see, is one which is borne out within prophecy within the Scripture as well as within the working out of His own death upon the cross. And so He says, Paul says, who gave Himself a ransom for all. Now again, see, this, this word keeps coming up in verse, verse 1. For all men, he says there. And then verse 4. Who will have all men? Again. And then in verse 6. A ransom for all. You see, the, the, the scripture gives the sense that none are to be excluded It doesn't say that all people are going to be saved irrespective of of their uh, rejection or acceptance. It just says they aren't to be excluded. Nobody is to be excluded. And so we are to preach Christ freely to all men, to all people, to all people. We are to pray for all people. Verse 1, God wants all people to be saved. As he says here, in verse 4 and then again in verse 6 he he has been a a ransom for all men you see the word word all continues to keep being used now we know that our orthodoxy says that we are elected from the foundation of the world we are predestinated we are called, but those truths are not in any way in contradiction to what is being said here. Because God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. And God does desire that all men should be saved. And God did call any who all any and all who would believe. And God offers the same calling to all people simply to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In other words, these truths are compatible. One is within the deeper sense of the mind of God and what he is doing. The other one pertains unto our human responsibility as believers we are called to carry out the message of the gospel. And so the all is, is meant to be uh, part of our responsibility. To take it to all people. And let God do the calling. Let God do the electing. Let God do the predestinating. Let God do what he does. Because we don't actually do it anyway. We're just messengers. We're servants. On, uh, uh, who are planting seeds and watering seeds. And letting God bring forth the increase. And we should just put things in their proper perspective that, that these things are true. It is part of that truth, that knowledge and truth that he wants all men to know. Um, and the first truth is that he has died for their sins according to the scriptures. And then goes, Paul goes on to say, for this I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. You know, he, he doesn't back off from who he is. He doesn't, he, he doesn't say uh, uh, haphazardly that he is this. He, he, he is an apostle and a preacher and that he has been ordained to this. No, he just comes right out and says it. I'm ordained to this. I have been ordained as a preacher and apostle. Uh, the tr- I speak the truth in Christ. You see, these words, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. He underscores these very things. These are the things that we must know within the church. These are the things that, that motivate us and impel us forward to, to win other people to Christ. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and true sincerity, or verity as he puts it here. This is, this is what we're called to do. We're not called to elect people. We're not called to predestinate people. We're not called to, to save anybody. We're called to give them the gospel of Christ, and to pray for others. That's what we're called to. To serve the Lord. To preach to them the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And then he says, I will therefore that all men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And of course, he uses that expression of lifting up holy hands because that's what they did, right? In the Old Testament, Moses and um, and uh, Her and and Joshua uh, up on the mountain, lifting up uh, the hands of Moses while they were fighting on the on the battleground against the Amalekites, uh, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We don't pray because we're angry, we pray because we are supplicating, we pray because we're interceding, we pray because we're truly calling upon the Lord to accomplish his purposes, and we, sh- and we should be praying not because we're doubting, but because we're believing, you see. This is, this is the church, this is what the church is supposed to be doing. These these are the things, because it is the life of the church to carry out the will of God. And this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, you see, that he gives here. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray personally, individually, God saves individually. He doesn't save in a Mass, though at some times many people come to faith in Christ, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost or whatever, but each of them did not come without the individual working in the heart of them, of, of, of their lives. Pray, prayer and support for the Gospel. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your Word to us. Lord, I pray that we may truly grasp what the churches should be doing and that we may truly do it, Lord, in a way that we would be used effectively to win people to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for our closing hymn. 240 at the cross? I, th- I think you know that, don't you Steve?
1: Yeah, the
0: cross? at the cross. 240. Or is it near the cross? Near the cross, near the cross. okay.
1: Oh, I'm